thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening to uh, talk about the new album. No problem, man. I'm glad to talk. <clears throat> I've been listening to it all pretty consistently over the last couple of weeks, probably between 15 and 20 times, and I'm absolutely loving it. Oh, great, man. That's, that's good to hear. Thank you. Um, I was thinking about this last night, you know, the the combination of all the original songs plus a, a couple of covers mixed in there, um, it covers a lot of ground, um, there's a lot of genres represented from everywhere from like the slow blues to a little bit of um, country, can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, I mean, that's that's classic Foghat, you know, they've, they've always been a band that celebrates American music. Uh, blues, uh, rock and roll, R and B—it's all in their in their DNA. And so, all we did—we didn't try to reinvent the wheel. We just put together some songs that we felt really strongly about, and, and we liked the arrangements that we had of them. And we just, uh, you know, we just did the best versions of them that we could. Um, I was looking at your bio last night while I was getting things ready for tonight. Um, your musical history speaks of, is uh, is pretty wide and deep. Um, how did you come come to be joining Foghat? Well, uh, Roger and I met back in 2014. Uh, a mutual friend of ours introduced us, and um, we just hit it off immediately. I mean, we we're we're uh, very like-minded as musicians, you know, he and I are, are both chronic practicers. We're, we're playing our instruments all the time. Um, we both love music. We love playing. Um, we're the, we're the two guys in the band that they have to, you know, drag us off stage during sound checks because we, you know, <laughs> between me and him, we'll play a whole show just for sound check. Um, but we just, we love playing. And so we, he and I hit it off really well, started writing together almost immediately. Um, and it just became, you know, a really healthy, creative relationship. Then, um, you know, we, they were working on a record called uh, Under the Influence at the time. And I was just down there helping them write some stuff and, and I did perform on a couple of the tracks. But, um, then we wrote so many songs for that record. We had so many left over that we put out a record called Earl and the Agitators. So it became kind of a side project for us. And then, um, I came back down to Florida to their studio to work on Sonic Mojo, which didn't have a name at that point. It was, it was they were just starting to break ground on it. And uh, Charlie, the, the previous lead singer, uh, decided to retire. So uh, Raj invited me to join the band. I happily accepted, and we kind of pivoted from working on the record to getting ready to go on tour. And then um, middle of the year, um, we went back to the studio and finished up working on the record. So, is it ever kind of surreal for you? I was thinking about this also last night. Musicians and maybe, I mean, even music fans probably have that one band that they wish they could join. Is it ever surreal for you to feel like you're you are now? a full-time member of Foghat, which is a, a legendary band that everybody knows about? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because you have to be careful with that because to me that's kind of like being a centipede. If a centipede starts thinking about how its feet work, it'll trip and fall. <laughs> so if, I'm, if I think too much about it, it's just like, you know, I was 10 years with Buddy Guy. It's arguably the greatest guitar player on the planet. And and I played guitar in Buddy Guy's band, so I was the second guitarist for Buddy Guy. 
I never, I never thought about the fact that Buddy's the greatest guitar player that he influenced Jimi Hendrix, who was who was my main influence when I first started playing guitar. I couldn't think about stuff like that. I related to Buddy just as a, a human being, as a friend, and and you know, a, a mentor. Roger's the same way with, for me. You know, I, I don't, I, I understand the iconic nature of this band and the history of it. It's fifty years going. And and you know there there will never be a time when slow rides not played on the radio. It's just it's just a you know a fact of our existence at this point. But if I pause and think about stuff like that, I won't be able to do what I need to do, which is be the best front man, the best entertainer that I can be to honor this band. I think that that's exactly what I was hoping you would answer. I I love that centipede. <laughs> <laughs> I love the I centipede right. analogy too. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where you, you, if you think about something, it makes it a lot harder to do it. There's a lot of things like you know, playing on stage, singing, singing and playing guitar at the same time. All these things that that we that we do as just second nature. That if I stop and go, how do you, how do, does this work? All of a sudden, you're, you know, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, you you kind of paralyze yourself by accident. You don't really mean to. Exactly. Um, exactly. Do you have a favorite song on the new album? Um, it changes, you know, every day. That, you know, when I listen to it, "Driving On" is my favorite because it's the one that Sirius XM's playing. So that's a that's a a kick for me. My wife and I were driving the other day, and it came on, and and you never get over hearing your song on the radio. That's 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 just one of the coolest feelings ever for a musician. So, you know, that's, I love that song, but I love She's Dynamite, the B.B. King song. I love, you know, the Howlin' Wolf tune that we did, How Many More Years. Um, I love all the stuff that Kim wrote. I mean, it just, it changes from day to day. Um, I, I love that you touched on that, that Howlin' Wolf tune because as I first started getting it, getting into the album last week or a couple weeks ago, um, that one hit me because I love the, well, I love the Zeppelin version of it that's that really driving riff, and it didn't hit me until about halfway through that that's what that song was. And I love, song, yeah. Yeah, and I love that kind of slowed down, thick, heavy blues take that you did with it. Well, thank you. As, as, a, as a, you know, I'm, I'm a hardcore blues fan, you know. Uh, and and those those guys are my idols, uh, you know, Howlin' Wolf and BB King, and and even Buddy. They're on my Mount Rushmore, you know. So, but when I when I listen to, and this isn't a dig at other artists, but when I hear somebody cover a, a an iconic blues song like a Howlin' Wolf tune or a Muddy Waters song or something, it, it always seems to fall short for me because it's it's either they're trying to mimic them and trying to sound like the original, or you know, just do something you know, cute with it. And what I, what I wanted to do was, I love that song. I love Alan Wolf. I don't sing like Alan Wolf. I can't play like Hubert Sumlin, but I wanted to try and, and reimagine it and, and give it a different spin. And hopefully we were successful. I think so. Um, I look at that song. I first heard the Zeppelin version of it and that's the, the one that sticks in my head, and that's the one that when I hear people do, when I hear people cover it, that's kind of what I expect. And I love yeah. that you took it a completely different direction. Well, and isn't it funny? I mean, this is one of the cool things about music. It's it's what you hear is is your frame of reference, 
like you you were exposed to the Zeppelin song first. That's your that's your watermark. Everything's got to live up to the Zeppelin song. I heard Howlin' Wolf's version first, so to me, everything's got to live up to the Howlin' Wolf version. And and it's it's just amazing that that we can be so diverse. And 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 you know, and I'm really passionate about music. I love it. I love it when people get excited about music because I get excited about it. So I, I just think that's a neat thing that you know, it's it's the the version that you hear is what you consider to be the, you know, the 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 version. You know, and I think the the awesome trick about that is that you've included some of these covers that will bring people back to. The originals, the BB Kings, the the Chuck Berries, the the Helen Wolves, and then you want that's how I I feel like, especially in today's world, that's how you wind up continuing to get people into the blues. Well, you know, for me, that's another responsibility that I feel like I have. Um, you know, I come from the blues background. All those guys are my heroes. And, and, you know, there's not many of them left. You know, in, in the blues world of, of that generation, it's pretty much Buddy Guy and Bobby Rush are the last two. And, and it's important to keep those traditions alive, to keep those memories alive. Um, and, and so every night on stage, you know, I talk about Junior Wells and Elmore James and Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon because I don't want those names to ever be forgotten. They're, 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 there, there is much about as responsible for rock and roll as anything else. Willie Dixon, if there wasn't a Willie Dixon, there wouldn't be any rock and roll. Right. I completely agree. Um, I think that's something that that I learned that musicians started doing, even when when those legends were still alive. It, it was an, a thing that I picked up that uh, that the Allman Brothers used to do is make sure that they talked about or at least mentioned the musicians that they were covering. Right, right. I think that's just a, you know, it, it's important as a musician, I think it's important to, to know your history and to understand where this stuff comes from and, and why you're doing it the way you're doing it, you know, and, and there's a, there's a, obviously a, a creative individuality to it, but there's also a, a tradition and a history to it. And, and th those two things are, are not mutually exclusive. I think they go together. Um, how would you say that Sonic Mojo fits into the the, the discography of Foghat? What do you think makes it special? Well, you know, from a personal standpoint, I, I hope that it holds up. I hope that it stands up to, to the rest of the catalog. I mean, that's, that's some big shoes to fill. Um, I, I think that, that, you know, we did... We did a good job on it. I, I like the record personally. Like it's it's a record that I would listen to, and I do listen to it for for enjoyment. Um, which I, I even my own records, I can't say that about some of them because it's you know I'm I'm bad. I don't listen to myself well because I pick everything apart. But this record was such an ensemble work that I I'm, I kind of can you know in my mind I can slip myself into the group, and I'm not picking myself apart. I'm listening to the overall production. And I'm real proud of the record. I hope that it holds up. I think it will. Um, and and part of the reason why I think it will is because, you know, Rogers, he's the the fog hat barometer for us, and and he's kind of the guiding hand. And and you sort of, you know, you defer to to Roger on all things fog hat. And and 
it was there was a moment early on and when we were putting the songs together where somebody made the comment well i don't know is this really a fog hat song and roger said of course it's fucking fog hat <laughs> so you know he knew you know he, he's the, he's the guy that calls it so you know if he says it's fog hat it's fog hat so mm -hmm. um i th i think there's a there i mean those guys are all older so they've obviously been around and had the maturity to know that especially as a band evolves with new members you've got to let there's there's a certain responsibility that you have i guess to probably to have some fog hat vibe to it but it's also you have to be able to to give your new members yourself included the freedom to kind of explore their own feel on it too absolutely and that's that's the balancing act for i think for for all of us maybe roger included but definitely for for rodney and brian and i you know brian's been in the band the longest he's i think he's been in the band for 26 years longer than rod price was in the band you know so that so brian's actually been in the band longer than the original member um and rodney's been in the band for seven or eight years and, and i'm just getting started starting my third year this year um and you know for me personally I don't sound, I don't sing like Dave. I don't play guitar like Dave. I don't write like Dave. Um, but I do have this responsibility to, to honor his memory and, and his version of Foghead and what he intended to, to construct. You know, it was the four original guys putting it together. And, and for my one personal little corner of it, I kind of look to Dave and try to, you know, not copy him, but just honor his memory and be sure that we're staying true to the original spirit of Foghat. I know Dave was a big blues fan, too. I think he and I would have really gotten along good. I never got to meet him. But I know he was a blues fan. Brian was one of his best friends, and Brian and I talk about him all the time. Roger, of course, knew him from the beginning, and we talk about him all the time. Um, and it's just, a, it's just you know, trying to move the band forward. So on the one hand, you're, you're honoring the, the memory of it. But at the same time, we're a real band. We're an active band. We're creating new music. We're, we're writing new music. We're moving forward. So it's that balancing act of, of honoring the history but, but pushing forward. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a beautiful thing to watch a band evolve. As, as odd as it is for, for us out here as music fans to accept, accept if you will, a band that has gone through the... the gone through the changes losing members bringing in new members it's hard to to accept that because you have that sort of the gold standard of the originals and to be able to hear what somebody what a whole new group of people are doing with that music is pretty cool it, it is it's cool to be a part of it. I'm, I'm real honored to be a part of it and i'll tell you just as a little cosmic aside so in the last year the rolling stones put out a new record the Beatles had a number one single. Foghat released a new record. And I'm standing here talking to you watching CNN and we're landing on the moon. <laughs> so it could be like 1967, 68 again. I'm not sure. It's all kind of cool, actually, to, yeah. to have all those bands and to um, come back into the, into the spotlight a little bit is pretty neat. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, part, the, the cool thing about music, as opposed to, like, athletics, you know, you, you have a definitive shelf life as an athlete. You know, you, you, when you lose a step, you just lose it. You can't get it back. Musicians, you know, they don't, that doesn't really happen. I mean, Buddy Guy's going to be 88 this year. 
he's still touring, he's still playing, and he's still great. You know, the Stones are all in their late 70s, early 80s, and, and this new record that they put out, I love it. It's as good as anything I've, of theirs that I've ever heard, and I'm a big Stones fan. So um, it's, it's, it's one avenue of life where you just you can continually get better if you want to, if you apply yourself and you try. You can continue to improve and continue to evolve and, and refine your, your art. And I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about art, and you just you kind of just said it, is that it, it evolves and continues to change. So, there's that, so that every, I always, I enjoy the, uh, the what I call kind of the Jimmy Page theory where um, he used to say that every album is a picture of where the band is at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the, I mean that is so true. I mean, the, the 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 facility that we have, the studio that we have down in Florida, um, it's a it's it's a house, but it's also a recording studio. So the equipment's all set up all the time. But we have bedrooms there. We sleep there. There's a kitchen there. You know, Roger's a great cook, so there's you know he's always cooking dinner for everybody, and, and you know we're always breaking bread together and and, and laughing and. But it's funny that because I can I can smell the shepherd's pie cooking when I listen to driving home. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I I know what was what we were having for dinner that night, and I can smell it cooking while we're trying to get the track down. So it's it's a it's a visceral thing. But you're absolutely right. It's a snapshot of 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 where the band was, you know, literally and figuratively at that moment. What's it like having a live-in sort of studio like that? It's great. I mean, there's no clock. You know, you, you, you work, you start work when you want to, you work as long as you want to. Um, you know, that could be a bad situation if you weren't, you know, if you had a band that wasn't motivated or you had some, some distractions. We don't really have that in this band. We're, we're all, we've got pretty strong work ethics. So when it's time to, to get to it, we, we get to it. We work on the songs and we've got kind of a, a strange system that we work on. Um, Roger's on the drums, obviously. I'm playing guitar, and Brian is also our engineer and producer. So he's behind the board. So most of the songs start with just drums, guitar, and a scratch vocal. And then we'll, you know, once Roger and I get an arrangement and, and Brian's okay with it and we, we like where the song's headed, and we kind of start firming it in. And then uh, poor Rodney, <laughs> he comes in in like a day or two, and we hand him 14 songs and say, okay, here, go. <laughs> <laughs> and he hadn't heard them. He hadn't, you know, he's, he's just, but he, he just, he knuckles down and just, and lays into it, man. And then Brian comes in and puts all these beautiful guitar parts on, on the top. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in a band with another guitar player. So it's fun for me because we kind of kick each other in the pants. You know, if he, if he plays something particularly cool, then I've got to come up with a part that's as good as that, you know, so we, we kind of, we charge each other up. Have you? I assume you've been able to slip some of the new songs into live shows over the last little bit. Yeah, we have. We um, we did a couple of record release parties where we played pretty much everything off the album, and now we've you know we've gone back on tour and, and we've kind of cut it back. I think we're playing like four of the new ones now, and then you know at sound checks we'll jam some of the other stuff, and and I have a feeling you know some of those may show up at different times. Um, but you know it's 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 a band. I mean we're we're just every day is a, a different day. Um, how have the new songs been received by f 
folks who are just hearing the new album? I gotta tell you, man, and, and I can say this honestly because I'm standing there listening to it. The, the applause that we get for driving on is just as strong and just as sustained and just as enthusiastic as Fool for the City. Um, you know, the, 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 the relationship that we have, the Foghat fans are amazing to begin with. And the relationship that we have with those fans is such that, it, that it's almost like a family thing. You know, I mean, there, there's, they've got fans that go all the way back to the beginning of the band. So there's people that have seen every configuration of this group and, and they're still coming back and they're still excited and they're still pumped. And we do a lot of nights. We'll do a, a signing after the show where we come out to the merch table and people come by and get to talk to us and we get to meet them and everything. And, uh, uh, it's, it's always gratifying to hear, you know, the stories and, and what this band meant to these people and what the, what the music means to them. And, and you know, some point in their life that, that this music got them through a tough time or, or, you know, I met my wife when I was listening to this song or, you know, whatever, but it just, it's really cool to be, to be a part of that, you know? Does that, does, does hearing stories from, from fans and stuff bring some extra meaning to the shows and to playing and to recording for you? It makes, it makes you, it reminds you to take it seriously, you know, and, and, and to, and to, and to take your responsibility seriously as part of the, part of the history of this band. Um, you know, music to me is such a powerful force. Um, it transcends all boundaries. You know, it, it, it can transcend language boundaries, cultural boundaries, even time. The funny thing about music is it can take you back in time to a point in your in your history where you remember, you know, going to school one morning the first time you heard Slow Ride on the radio or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meeting your your girlfriend or your wife and, and what song was playing, you know. And, I mean, I'm from the generation that when I was trying to court my wife, it was all about mixtapes. You know, you, you'd make a mixed cassette of mm-hmm. the songs that you were trying to, trying to get to her heart with, you know, and, and, and if I hear one of those songs now, or we, you know, we were together the other day and one of them came on the radio just at random. And it was, it's, it's a warm feeling, but it's, it's, it's amazing that music has that power and can do that. I, I mean, as a, as a DJ and a, and a radio producer, I try to do the same thing. I don't play music the same way that my, my whole life is working on mixtapes every, every week's, live program on the radio is working out a mixtape whether it's for some somebody else or for myself and you're exactly right is all of those things whether it's a a, an album whether it's a concert whatever it is it's all about kind of jogging those those memories yeah and and taking people on a trip and and you know i mean Music uh, is is intended to you know entertain, but also to enlighten and to inspire. So you you know you 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 don't get preachy with it, but you also want to you know gently nudge people sometimes with with an idea or a message or a, a concept. And and you know love and harmony and and you know those are those are overused words, but they're they're pretty powerful words. And and you know we could use a little more of them, <laughs> I think, in the, on this planet. So lastly, um, I feel I almost feel weird about asking this because the new album is relatively new. But um, what have you got on tap for twenty twenty four? We're gonna, you know, I, I'm 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 the, the cheerleader for it, but we're gonna do another record. 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm always the one going, well, you know, on the next record, maybe we can do something like this or this or this. And, you know, I think everybody's down with it. Um, you know, this record, you know, we debuted at number one on the blues chart and we've been on the charts for 14 weeks. Everybody's really proud of that. And we're kind of enjoying the, the, the ride right now. But, you know, I have a feeling that towards the end of the year, maybe in the fall, I'm going to start really seriously kind of nudging everybody and, you know, hey, let's, let's try to do another one. And, um, I, I think we'll probably get one out, you know, sooner than later. You make it sound like you're the ankle biter. Well, I can be. I can be the pain in the neck, you know. <laughs> the new guy's always like, well, let's do this, let's do that. But, um, you know, I mean, these guys are they're all great musicians and they're all great friends. These are some of the best friends I've got in the world. And the funny thing about this band is we genuinely like each other and we get along. And, you know, when we, when we are on the road, you know, on off night, a lot of times, you know, bands – they all go their separate ways. You know, you don't see them until sound check or whatever. We're always, you know, we go to dinner together. We were, we're congregating, you know, sometimes we take over the lobby of the hotel and we're all just hanging out. And it's, and, and it's not just the four musicians, it's the crew, it's everybody. I mean, we're, everybody in this band is part of the family and it's, and it's a, a really beautiful energy. And that translates to the stage. And I think that's part of what makes the audience so receptive to what we're doing is that they see that we're genuinely loving what we're doing and we're loving doing it for them. That's, that's really awesome. Um, I can't think of a better way to have wrapped this, I guess, than with those words. Um, that's pretty much all I've got for you for tonight, Scott. I really appreciate right, you taking the time to, to chat about the new album, and I will keep listening to it and hopefully circle up with you t later this year when the new one's out. That'd be great, man. That'd be great. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for taking the time.